This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for Wednesday. It's Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham and Trader Nick in the United States. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Johnny. Well, it's been a very, very data busy day today across the world, starting with China this morning. We had a raft of numbers, GDP, retail sales and so on. Craig, let me first ask you regarding the latest numbers from China. Markets are particularly disappointed with them, despite the fact that, for instance, GDP was only slightly below analysts' expectations. But looking at some of the numbers, the Hong Kong market, for instance, why was there such a disappointing response to this Chinese data? Well, I think taking one at a time, the data is not terrible. The one that I would say is not good is the retail sales figures. We know that the consumer is not really that strong in China at the moment. Ever since the COVID restrictions were dropped, consumer sentiment just hasn't really bounced back. Consumer activity hasn't strongly bounced back either, which when you take it in contrast with the US and the euro area, the UK and much of the rest of the Western world where People left their houses and started spending straight away, created quite a hot environment, contributed to inflation because of excess demand. We're not really seeing that in China, and that's continuing to be the case. So, for example, as you've alluded to, GDP, 5.2% shy of 53 not the end of the world. Fixed asset investment, 3 above 29 pretty good. Industrial production, 68 versus 6.6, perfectly fine. Retail sales, 7.4% down from 10.1%, 7.9% expected. That's a big miss and a big drop off as well. And we've got to remember, obviously, if that was a UK number, we'd all be celebrating 7.4% retail sales, but it's not. We have to compare it to trends in China as well. Also, the unemployment rate unexpectedly ticked higher to 5.1% as well. This is a country that stopped publishing youth unemployment data because it approached a level, I think, close to 20%, where it's not something that they necessarily wanted to talk about anymore. So we're, we're talking about a situation where the economy never roared back from COVID. It's kind of settled with 5% growth targets. And even then, even though it's not necessarily undershooting the growth target, it is still struggling to get activity going again. It will get activity going again, but it's still going to be held back by the property sector because that's a massive change and a massive shift uh, that we've seen throughout the economy, even though they're continuing to try and plug away to kind of create stability there again. But the consumer activity is one thing that they maybe have less control over. We've seen rate cuts, etc., that haven't really had an effect. It's been like pushing on a piece of string in terms of its effectiveness to try and get consumers spending again. It's going to take more fiscal stimulus. And we have seen that towards the back end of last year. We're going into 2024 now. I'm sure activity will start to pick up again, but we're just not seeing the evidence of that yet. And I really think that set the tone for the day, which is why we're seeing a sea of red across the markets and why Hong Kong in particular lost almost 4%. Yeah, I've got the chart pulled up, Craig, as you mentioned that, and and it is a bloodbath here. Big sell-off on the Chinese stock market. And of course, this has implications to other areas of the market. You know, I was listening to Lagarde just speaking about how on, on how, you know, the US elections will be heavily impactful to the ECB going forward and the rest of Europe. Well, China, same thing. China going continuously down like this of course, has implications on other areas of the market. You know, of course, the easiest one to spot would be just the oil market, right? You've seen the oil market has been an interesting place. It's been very back and forth because on one hand, you have this sort of data where you see a slowing China, which is a huge 
demander of crude oil, right? So if the Chinese economy is really slowing, that hurts the demand concept for oil. You know, the other side of what's hurting the demand is, of course, supply production. You know, the United States, of course, producing a ton of oil going into this year. So, you know, expected to hit record highs this year, next year, and the year after, I believe. So it's an interesting story for oil. You have a huge amount of supply issues and a now with lack of demand from China, but perhaps from other places too, with all the rate cuts, it's a mixed bag. You also have, of course, the geopolitical events. So oil seems to be a market that is just stuck in limbo. It can't seem to find a breakout in either direction. Meanwhile, Craig, expectations that interest rates will be cut this year remain, uh, despite what many thought was a surprise uptick in the UK's inflation rate last month. They were expecting a fall, but it rose marginally from 39 to 4%. So why hasn't this affected predictions of an imminent rate cut this year? This reminds me a lot of the euro area data that we had last week, and we actually had the final figures of that today as well, shortly after the UK data. And basically, December was always going to be a month that wasn't going to be great for inflation. From a euro area perspective, it was unfavorable base effects. So we had energy subsidies, particularly in Germany last December, so it made the comparables less favorable. So it was always expected that we were going to see a bump up in inflation in the euro area. And that's exactly what happened. And so much was made of it. Like Just as we thought we were making progress, inflation bounces back. Can the ECB consider cutting rates now? And the answer was, yeah, of course they can. Everyone saw this coming. It's also going to fall again in the first quarter of this year. That's just uh, what base effects do. Sometimes they're favorable and sometimes they're unfavorable. The difference is when they're predictable versus when they're unpredictable. December's was predictable. And so your your area inflation actually rose last month and as was confirmed again this morning, but it doesn't really change people's views, which is why the expectations in the markets didn't change. The only thing that changed was the headlines in the newspapers and on the websites who kind of created this almost sensationalized storyline of uh, inflation is back. And we've seen it in the UK today. I mean, just look at the numbers since when do we create such a frenzy over such small moves? Inflation last month in the UK in November was 3.9%. We expected it to fall to 3.8% and instead it rose to 4%. Core inflation was 5.1%. We had thought it might fall to 4.9%. Instead, it was 5.1% again. We're talking about really small moves. We've seen half percent, one percent moves month on month over the course of the last few months. But basically, the story going into this report was that inflation was about going to stay pretty much the same in December. Very marginal changes. And in January, the same may be true again. We may even see it tick a little bit higher again. So when that happens, you can expect probably more sensationalist headlines once more. And then towards the back end of Q1, that's when we're going to start to see it fall and probably fall quite sharply once more. I think people have read way too much into the data this morning that we got from the UK on inflation. I think we've become accustomed for the last two or three months to inflation data surpassing expectations, but we were surpassing expectations of large declines with even larger declines on the way up. We were surpassing expectations of large uh, rises with even larger rises. But this month was always going to be a bit of a stable month. And if we got that beat to the downside, then fantastic. It would have fueled the narrative that inflation is rapidly falling. But I just think we got a steady report and that's basically what we got. It's what we expected. I just don't think it changes anything. Markets are pricing in 1% of rate cuts from the Bank of England next year. So I think that's probably paired back ever so slightly from what we saw previously. But the first rate cut 
likely then coming in June rather than May. I still think it's probably going to be May. I still think the first rate cut for many of these central banks is going to be when they release new inflation and growth forecasts. Uh, and for the Bank of England, that's February, May, and then obviously August and, uh, and November. Uh, whereas with the Fed and the ECB, it's March and June and September and December. So I think the first rate cut for the Fed and ECB, for example, is still most likely to come in March. And I think the first rate cut from the Bank of England is probably most likely in May because February comes far too soon. But I think today's inflation data just simply doesn't change that. And if you can put the headlines to one side a second, I think the markets and the market reaction to the data is a far more accurate reflection of what it actually means. And noticeably, I'm looking at all the different crosses against the dollar today. And one thing that is worth noting is that on today's data, the pound is the only of the major currencies, it's the only one that's actually trading up on the day relative to the dollar because the dollar is having a lot of strength today off of the retail sales numbers. And possibly, Craig, I think another question that comes with hotter than expected CPI, of course, barring what we discussed about slowdown in China, you know, we saw strong retail sales from the US today. We saw the UK's inflation hotter than expected, and that followed, you know, hotter than expected inflation and jobs in the US recently. So there was this idea that on the turn of the year, everything was just going to fall into place and cool down just in time for us to have March rate cuts. So again, between all of the surprise to the upside data that we've been getting, again, barring China, this is an interesting thing to watch uh, into the first half of this year because you know 2023 was just a series of forecasts being one thing. And then as Craig was pointing out, beats to the upside uh, in many ways, not just for inflationary numbers, but in many ways, the economy held out stronger than people were expecting. People are, again, back on the idea that the economies of the world, mostly Western countries, are going to really see decline this year. Year, or at least normalization. But again, we have not quite seen a resounding proof in the numbers of that story just yet. So it will be interesting to continue to watch that going forward. And again, the pound only one against the dollar that's actually up today off of this inflationary higher than expected numbers. So interesting. And Nick, it's been very busy as well in the United States, a raft of data and figures. What struck out for you? Yeah, so we had uh, retail sales, as I mentioned, was hotter than expected. I'll add some numbers to that for those of you who did not already hear it. Um, so core retail sales came out, forecast was 0.2%. Month over month, we got 0.4%. And retail sales forecast was around 0.4%, and we got 0.6%. So uh, hotter than expected retail sales numbers. And again, it's starting to sound a lot like 2023 in a lot of ways still. We're seeing a consumer that is still relatively hanging in there. And of course, retail sales numbers being hotter than expected shows there's not a huge slowdown that people keep talking about. And so until it starts to show in the numbers, I think the burden is on the numbers to actually show real slowdown where we get these retail sales, we get hotter than expected inflation, jobs market's not cooling that much. Well, it is, but it's not you know massively cooling. And I think it'll be interesting to see because there are still a lot of expectations for rate cuts this year. And it just makes you wonder, there's this discombobulation between the Fed and what the market thinks is going to happen. The Fed, you know, we had Waller speak and he was, you know, still pessimistic. You have Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, still speaking, you know, economic outlook looks bleak. So you have these two forces and I'm sure that we'll, we'll be discussing that at length in future podcast episodes as we continue to see the data come in. Well, thanks for summarizing everything so succinctly, guys. It's been a very busy day, but uh, you've really put us in the picture. We appreciate it. And we'll speak to you again on Friday. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks a lot. 
Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.